Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 208 being recorded on Thursday, February 20th, 2020. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back. Jason Scott Show listeners. Well, listeners, we have a real treat for you today. Uh, In today's show, we are going to explore one of the big new trends in e-commerce platforms called headless commerce or no slash low slash zero code. Uh, Please welcome to the Jason Scott Show, Sergio Villasenor, who is founder of Elliot. Welcome, Sergio. Hey, guys. Uh, Happy to be on the show. Uh, Sergio, we are thrilled to have you. And I feel like Scott may have potentially even inadvertently introduced controversy already just in the description of the intro. So uh, I do, I do want to jump to that. But before we do, uh, listeners always like to know just a little bit about uh, the background of our guests. So could you uh, tell us uh, what led you to your current role as uh, CEO at Elliot? Yeah, happy, happy to give that background. Uh, I spent the last 10 years in e-commerce coming more from the engineering side of things, working with mid to large market brands, predominantly at agencies or software companies, um, most notably One Stop Internet, which was a VC-backed agency that worked with brands like Lululemon, John Barbados, Rag & Bone, J-Brand. And over that time, had built kind of my own blueprint and flavor of tech that allowed brands to stand up e-commerce stores or supply chain technology that helped them either streamline how they sold online or offline or just across borders. That's awesome. And did I hear a rumor you also played college football? I did. I played at the University of Nevada, Reno. I played free safety there. Awesome. Uh, so that makes you the like debatably the fastest guy on this podcast. Depending on what we're racing against, yes, I would say I, I am <laughs> the fastest. I don't know if you've ever seen Scott or I run, but it, the bar is very well. Unless it's a Starbucks. Jason can haul ass for a Starbucks. I was about to, I was about to say, for the right Frappuccino, y'all might be. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially true. <laughs> All good. Cool. Uh, so give uh, listeners, and let's start at the 30,000 foot level, um, because I, I follow you on Twitter and it can go deep very quickly. What? Uh, how do you describe Elliot at like a cocktail party kind of scenario? Yep. Elliot is just a new commerce platform that allows sellers to stand up storefronts that can accept payments and ship globally instantly without writing a single line of code, adding an app or plugin. You don't even need to use your credit card. You can just come on Elliot, launch a store, sell in less than five minutes. Got it. Okay. So um, when people hear that, I'm sure the Shopify and big commerce and some of this, what I would think of as the software as a service type platforms probably come up. Uh, how, how do you guys compare to something like that? Great question. I would say that outwardly, most people would perceive us as being a SaaS e-commerce competitor to a big commerce, a Shopify, and other incumbents in the space. However, Elliot's very different in the sense that we are the payment processor and merchant of record on every transaction. So we're more like a marketplace, except um, as most people in the United States and Western society know, marketplaces don't necessarily provide the most branded experience. 
we provide immediate global distribution, but in a very branded way where you can create different websites, looks and feel that are all properly conveying your brand message and tone on a URL that's yours and owning the customer data, except we just provide access to a payment processor and merchant of record service that allows you to sell and ship instantly. So, uh, just a quick question on that, Sergio. So uh, I feel like uh, an obvious a- analogy to you guys is going to be Shopify. And, and in the Shopify ecosystem, there's a you, you can choose to use a Shopify payment processor or you could use a third-party payment processor. Um, is is Shopify with their own native payment system? Is that most similar to you guys? Is that fair, or is there still a distinction in your status as seller of record versus theirs? Good question. There is still a distinction between the two. You know, if you opt into Shop Pay, it's still your brand on, let's say, the bank statement, whereas. When you come on and sell on Elliot, Elliot would be seen on the bank statement very much like Square or another marketplace. So that's where we differentiate between Shopify and Elliot. Got it. Okay. Totally fair. Um, and uh, I, you guys uh, got some uh, private funding last year, just went li- or uh, uh, early last year, just went live uh, middle of last year. So A, do I have those dates kind of right? And and B, have you got any traction? Do you have any clients that are using the platform that our listeners would have heard of? Yes. Yeah, so a bunch of questions there. So I'll take <laughs> one, we, we, are, we are venture backed to date. We have raised a little over $5.2 million, most notably from Sousa Ventures, SV Angel, Pentland Ventures, which is the venture arm of Pentland Brands, who owns brands like Lacoste and Tracksmith and Speedo. And yes, to date, since launching the storefront platform that everyone now just is more enthralled with on October 17th of last year, we have onboarded over 1,700 merchants from 92 countries. Um, some of those merchants include predominantly Shopify, Shopify Plus brands like Rooted, Goddess Dope, Mifflin, and others, as well as other startup brands um, that are kind of coming into the scene, like a Shop Latinx, which is actually a Latin uh, Etsy-style marketplace or even co-working spaces here in Brooklyn, like Ethos Club, that uses Elliot as their cashless point of sale solution. Very cool. So, so um, you, you referenced Tmall. Uh, do you guys have a front door that aggregates all this? The kind of I don't know if you think of them as stores, but all the all the brands that are selling on the platform, or does each brand kind of have its own front door? Each brand has their own front door. It's very much their brand. Uh, we haven't set up Elliot as a marketplace as you would know it today, where if you went to Tmall or Amazon or Lazada or Zalando, uh, it would be very much those brands' shopping experience. If anything, down the road, uh, we'll roll out marketplace features that better connect brands and consumers in our own unique way and, and fashion and flavor, but that is still to be unveiled. Got it. And then uh, because you're, you're kind of speaking my language of marketplaces here, l- let's say I come and I want to set up Scott's shoe store and then I want to invite other third parties in. It seems like you'd be uniquely positioned to do that because you're already kind of, you know, it'd just be like another, another, another flavor, another kind of seller on my own site. Is, is that a capability you guys have today? Correct. Yeah. If you actually go to shop that's actually a multi-vendor Elliot storefront. So as a user of Elliot, if you, Scott, wanted to create a marketplace and add vendors and have variable commission rates with split orders and payments, you would be able to do that just out of the box. Mm, Okay, very cool. 
So, so in a way you're competing with miracle on that side of things. Cause that's part of, uh, you know, their value proposition is helping people kind of add a marketplace to their storefront. Is that a, a fair comparison? Correct. Yeah. When we look at the competitive landscape that Elliot's disrupting, really we're disrupting a $600 billion ecosystem of software spending, e-commerce platforms, headless front-ends, product and order management systems, cross-border tools, multi-channel software, fulfillment software, single sign-on, one-tap checkout. If anything, what we're implying and, and striving to do is a lot like what Apple did in the 80s for personal computing, which is just completely reimagine and re-architect the entire um, category and come out with a entirely different way of thinking about how to sell and buy products. Uh, this is awesome. So there's a ton of follow-ups I'm dying to ask, but uh, I feel like I should get one more precursor question in uh, because I also don't know the answer to it. Uh, how did you come up with the name Elliot? Well, I just, despite being an athlete, I am, I am a nerd. So uh, the double L is typically an operator for or so, when we initially launched Elliot, the Elliot logo was spelled out Elliot with a period. So it was e-commerce or IoT. We just believed that this generation of commerce began and ended with Elliot. That is definitely a more geeky answer than I was expecting. Alternatively, though, on my more hood side, and you know, when, when we took it to Google and we searched Elliot, Urban Dictionary came up and it had 20 very vulgar definitions of why Elliot was an awesome name. And I was like, Reinforcement done. Got you. In my mind, uh, you were named after the main character in Mr. Robot. Yeah, Rami Malek um, did a great job of putting in Rhapsody, so I don't, I do not mind that comparison either. A hundred percent agree. <laughs> where does, uh, where does the cow come from? The cow is a tribute to my grandmother. So you know, I came from very humble beginnings. My parents, you know, would work one to two, well, two to three jobs each. I get dropped off at grandma's house at six, picked up at seven, eight. She was a you know, a crazy Cuban woman that lived and died by all her beliefs. One of those was drinking a whole glass of milk at every meal. So she passed away last Christmas as I was kind of, you know, getting Elliot to market. And it was a very simple way of tributing someone that had a huge impact on my life in a, in a very simple way that meant a lot to me. That, that is terrific. So um, let's jump into the product a little bit. Uh, before I go into the, the specific questions, uh, I'm kind of curious what, what you perceived as the sort of gap, like in my mind, there's, there's a, a dearth of platforms out there. There's big established ones that are kind of long in the teeth. There's, you know, new ones that have gotten a lot of traction lately. Like you, you know, you go to one of the e-commerce shows and you throw a rock and you hit 10 of them. Um, what, what do you feel was missing from the ecosystem or what did, what did you guys expect to do better uh, that, that caused you to launch Elliot? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think ultimately what we saw at a very macro level was 5G and, smart, 5G and smartphone proliferation continuing to rise globally. As consumers and brands became hyper-connected, I think the thing that was lacking was access to tools that allowed creators of products to actually not just say, hey, I have a store, but actually be able to connect and ship to consumers around the world, typically that toolkit from a cross-border fulfillment perspective and an on-site cross-border um, UI UX one had always been a very enterprise toolkit, specifically either Flow or Global E or Border Free Now Pitney Bowes. And the reality is that there is not financial inclusion in the world and creators of products come in all various shapes and sizes. So if anything, we saw 
people becoming more connected to brands, being able to connect with them instantly. You know, if you're a new brand today, you're building an audience that is by default global. We believe that you should have access to tools to tap into that and maximize the opportunity that you're already building out of the gate. And for more established brands, just sell and in more of like a click of a button. I don't want to have to go back to engineering and say, oh, six to eight month build. Oh, shit. The, the moment in pop culture that I was trying to capitalize just passed. So forget it. And if anything, it's just making it easy, streamlining selling and equipping non-technical operators with the tools to compete globally. Because the reality is that consumer demand only increases. Consumers say, hey, if I find your brand online, I expect the same level of service from you if you're a new brand as I do Nike. And it's tough to compete. Um, so tell me more about the cross-border stuff. So so uh, we'll go with Scott's Shoe Store. Um, uh, I, I want that to be a cross-border store. So there's there's several elements to that. There's the shipping. And then there's also, you know, is this going to create a .co.uk, dot you know, .it, et cetera? And, and is it going to translate the language for me and, and all that? Or what to what level do you go on the cross-border side? Let's, let's touch a lot of levels of granularity here. Let's just take the basic storefront. Every store comes with I18N. You can serve up one site for a global audience. No subdomains needed. Each of these storefronts comes with multi-currency, multi-language, duties presented at the time of checkout, paid DDP with local payment and shipping options. Mind you, all of that's just out of the box. So if you're a first-time seller, every storefront that you have on Elliot just comes with that. Um, with that being said, there's a lot of things that also come with that. There's the fulfillment side, what happens post-purchase and transaction. Since the duties are paid GDP, we provide commercial invoices, customs declaration forms, the whole nine. Let's say I don't have HS codes for proper duties and taxes. As long as you have a product image, you upload it, we're able to assign an HS code with a 97% hit rate with our image processing services to ensure that the duties are properly calculated as well. And mind you, all of this is just out of the box. Yeah. So by you guys being merchant of record, it, it kind of, this is the the huge benefit, right? Cause you can kind of umbrella everybody in this one, you know, by being able to implement this cross-border functionality and have everyone underneath it. Um, and then uh, how about the shipping? So, so let's say I'm going to ship an order, you know, to the UK. Um, do you guys do like a border free cross ship where I ship to an address in Miami and it gets reshipped there or, or, uh, are you allowing me to set up with the courier of my choice of, of how to ship internationally? If your store had a UK shopper, when they go to checkout, they would see Royal Mail and we would do some type of first mile consolidation. The same if that consumer was in China, there would be the same type of first mile consolidation with SF Express. So typically that first mile consolidation would go to a major airport of either LAX, O'Hare or JFK. Nice. Okay. Cool. And then, so I get how this is codeless. Um, do you guys, so then there's a big movement in e-commerce is headless where you can kind of take some of the services underlying an e-commerce platform. And if I already have some kind of a front end, I can drop those in as, uh, is that a, a part of the market you guys deal with? Or you're doing much more of this kind of self-service, uh, really small business that, that doesn't want to do any coding at all. Um, no, you know, we'll work with major holdings companies. We already do. And which is why we developed a headless Jamstack front end right out of the gate. And that will become publicly available April 1st. However, there's already brands using it. 
the benefit to having this Jamstack front end is that you can create more robust um, front end shopping experiences with the same cross-border infrastructure. So unlike other PWAs in the Jamstack space, this store that you deploy as a developer can already accept payments. It can already ship cross-border through the Elliott API and key already available to you and your admin. It already has multi-currency, multi-language, I18N baked in natively. It has local payment and shipping options that it's inherited. And it's run on a GraphQL API. It's completely serverless. So it's kind of this move from monolithic to microservice to serverless. It's extremely fast. It runs across five clouds for redundancy. It has a geo-partitionable database. So you don't need to stand up an instance of Magento to be EU compliant for GDPR or anything. You can sell from a single command center with a super fast front end that you can serve up statically across five CDNs worldwide. Okay. Uh, so I grokked everything you said there, but I'm not sure every listener will. Let, let's unpack it a little bit. Uh, what's a Jamstack and uh, does it involve peanut butter as well as the jam? I would say it involves a little bit. More. It would involve the peanut butter, the jelly, and the toast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, Jason, I know what a jam stack in a PW is, but uh, you know, again, cocktail party level, or or let's say you were talking to the business person at a brand, how how would you kind of unpack the that and, and help them understand it? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. I would say that we allow you to run a highly scalable application that's super fast, that never goes down, that's accessible worldwide. And that you can recruit for a very cost-effective way, developers to build on top of. Uh, on top of that, it's not platform dependent. So as you move from platform to platform, you can you know, de-risk your investment, have a front end that you can live with for the next five to six years, and sell a lot of products through it. Okay. Got it. Cool. And then um, when you say serverless across five clouds, um, are you talking about AWS zones or that's more uh, it will work on Azure, Google, and AWS uh, are all the above? All of the above, including Tencent, AliCloud, Selectow in Russia, and GCP. Oh, nice. So you can, um, you know, so for China, you can be behind the great firewall of China with, with that model? You have to love the ability to tunnel across cloud. Very cool. Um, and so when you were, when you say codeless, uh, what I'm hearing is uh, no development required, everything you need out of the box. Um, so click buttons instead of write scripts. Is, is that sort of what you're getting at? Yeah, and I, and I would say that to that point, Elliot is very much a start to scale platform, meaning that the idea that we're going through is that with Elliot, you don't have to graduate from like, let's say I started a business on Shopify and then I moved to like Demandware SFCC. With Elliot, you're able to start no code. You're able to evolve and grow your business and go to low code. So we have a motto at Elliot that we champion called no low, which is really the movement from starting a business, using a visual builder, to your point, not coding anything. But as you grow and scale, we have the front-end flexibility to, for you to create more robust front-end experiences that better blend content and commerce and all the things that we see more mature brands needing as they grow their business. 
Okay. So, um, and, and you correct me if I have the wrong notion. Um, in my mind, like I, I, I see a, a big difference, but I also see a similarity again, going back to the, the Shopify analogy. Um, the, uh, one of the things that seems like particularly strong and cool about you guys is, um, your lack of dependency on plugins, right? So, like you could argue it's a strength or a weakness for Shopify, but a lot of the functionality you need to run your business is available in the Shopify ecosystem, but it's provided by a third party. And so the, the, the downside of that is you have to turn on these, these 20 plugins that each provide this, this point solution. And, uh, that introduces a lot of, um, uh, potential slowness, uh, security risks, stability issues, um, there's a lot of baggage that comes with turning on all these random plugins and their interoperability with each other. Uh, and what I think I'm hearing from you is we try to avoid the requirements of all those plugins by providing all the uh, native functionality for all the main features that a, a store owner needs. Do, do I have that right? Yeah, you have. Yes, you have the gist of it correct. Specifically, we provide the payment and fulfillment infrastructure. We are working with developers to better integrate marketing tools on site. However, as an approach being a startup, we are focusing on kind of categories like beauty and fashion and lifestyle, specifically small home goods, where purchase intent has typically already been established at the, by the consumer on a third-party channel. So if anything we can remove a lot of the, what is quote unquote traditional on-site plugins and apps because in the next generation of commerce, we see them as being irrelevant because there's no need for UGC on a website when you live in an Instagram and a Snapchat world. The UGC has already been presented to the consumer on the tagged IG posts. There's no need for reviews because half the reviews are you know lies or uh-huh. misconstrued or you know, as a consumer, I've already kind of read the reviews because I saw my favorite influencer saying, oh my God, look at that makeup, look at that glow kit. Like a lot of the on-site dependencies are removed in certain categories and we're aligning our go-to-market strategy around that belief. Jason has a uh, two-hour talk he gives on the importance of social proof and you just blew that talk up. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that is, uh, that's, uh, I, I get the sentiment behind that. Um, I'm not sure we're at a world yet where every seller um, rely, uh, can rely on adjacent UD, UGC instead of UGC right at the point of purchase. But uh, I, I 100% agree with you. And just to level set, we are building a company that's going to be around for the next three decades. And we have to make decisions and bet on verticals and be strategic and nimble. And that's just one that we're betting on. Sure. Fair enough. Um, I was going to go to a happier example first. And it was like, like the four example that Scott already brought up. If I'm on almost any other platform and I want to offer marketplace functionality, I'm going to go get a third party like miracle and, and plug them into my platform and do a complicated integration. And you're providing out of the box marketplace functionality because you've decided early on that that's an, an important feature set, uh, for, for future sellers. Correct. We believe that for future sellers, there was four things that they had to do. They had to create landing pages, specifically one tap checkout product landing pages, stores, cashless point of sale, and marketplaces, all of which are the store types that you can create with our, what we call experience builder in Elliot. 
Yep. Um, and so, and we didn't touch on this, but before you launched the storefront, you actually launched a sort of a, a, a single page, one click buy experience that seems like, like perfectly suited for, uh, uh, you know, products that you're driving interest on, on Instagram or, or WhatsApp or any of those sorts of platforms. Correct. And that, that payment page had all of the cross border tooling and fulfillment that we're discussing here. If anything, it was a very strategic way that I can align our investment team and, and backers and team internally to see like, Hey, like here's the vision. We can simplify the checkout funnel. Purchase intent is being established on third parties. It works great for payment pages. And the assumption when we launched that product was we believed that store owners that used us specifically then in advertising channels on social media, SMS, email, that they would love the simplicity. And they did. They saw a 10x increase in checkout conversion. And the sentiment was, if you guys make a very lightweight storefront version of this, we believe very firmly as customers of you that you guys can compete and unseat some incumbents. So that was always the broader vision. It was just nice to hear it from the initial adopters. And I think when you have an investment team, it's nice to go through those milestones and get the feedback like that. Sure. So, so we start with the payment page, uh, migrate to uh, the storefront. And then you also just mentioned uh, cashless POS. So is that something that's currently available? Is that something you're working on? And I'm assuming that's the, uh, the sort of omni-channel piece of this that you, you would imagine a seller that has both a store and sells online. Correct. So within Elliot, when you create experiences and just to let everyone know what experiences are, Elliot's admin, unlike big commerce and Shopify, you don't need multiple admin panels to run multiple stores. You can create multiple shopping experiences and merchandise, merchandise the products within them from a single point. With that being said, um, within an experience, cashless POS is just one thing that you can create as a part of our experience builder. It is already available. It allows you to shorten the checkout flow. On top of that, you can also further check out, you can also further shorten the cashless point of sale solution to have a very Apple-like shopping experience. It's QR code based and already available within the admin. Gotcha. So it supports sort of a, a mobile POS solution that runs on, on handheld hardware? Correct. Yep. Uh, and then you're, you're specifically saying cashless, which again, kind of like bypassing UGC, uh, I can imagine it's super easy to see that the future is going to be of retail's cashless. Um, there, like there are a bunch of municipalities where it's kind of illegal to have a cashless store right now. That, that's fine. You know, doing bad things usually resulted in good next steps. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, and then um, you you highlighted that, hey, one of your very first insights that caused you to build this whole platform was was the trend towards 5G and ubiquitous smartphones. Yep. Um, you alluded to um, PWAs. So it, is that your framework for the mobile experience you get when I hit a, a, an Elliott storefront from a mobile device? That's correct. Yeah, it's a progressive web application using server-side rendering, specifically Next.js. And if anything, we're expanding that um, for a multitude of reasons. But come April 1st, you'll be able to, as a developer, you know, grab that front end, build more robust shopping experiences, and we'll continue to build on top of that 
belief system over the next year or two. That's awesome, though. And so the out of the box experience uh, is is PWA. The mobile web experience that you provide is is PWA based, right? Uh, which our friends in Canada um, do not support very well. I can see why they would. <laughs> um, so talk a little bit about the fees. How how does your fee structure work? Yeah, I'm going to give you guys a gem. So on April 1st, we're actually announcing that the self-service side of Elliot will be completely free. No additional commissions on top of the standard Stripe pass-through costs for payment processing. Um, that's just that. On the enterprise side, we have a commission rate-based uh, structure with a cap that goes between 1% and 5%. Um, that varies based on the level of service that you need. But come April 1st, anyone will be able to sign up Use Elliot for free. Okay, so I have to uh, poke around at this a little bit. So April 1st, you know, everyone's radar is up. Are you sure sure about this? This is not an April Fool's kind of setup, is it? It's actually a part of a campaign <laughs> called April Fool's. But no, the prices that I just said is 100% live April 1st. Okay, because I know you're a bit of a jokester, so I just want to make sure that we're, we're, I'm nailing you down a bit here. And I, like, then, um, I like to clown around, but when it comes to people's <laughs> money, I take it pretty serious. <laughs> and then uh, there's no subscription or anything there, or if I uh, if I'm a Kardashian and I do 300 million on the self service, it's still free except for the underlying payment fees. That's correct. Okay. As long as you use our payment processor and merchant of record services for fulfilling domestic and international, it's free. Got it. Okay. And then it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show if we didn't talk a little bit about Amazon. Um, how do you, do you guys, uh, you know, so the, the CEO of Shopify is kind of like gotten into this mode where he's kind of the, you know, we're, we're arming the rebels to take on, on the, you know, the empire of the death star of Amazon. Um, do you guys view yourselves in that kind of a light or how do you think about Amazon? Well, I wouldn't describe myself as the death star. I don't think that thing only fired once or twice, right? <laughs> yeah, if you are the death star, make sure you put a grill on your exhaust vent. No, in this yeah. metaphor, you're, you're, uh, you're Luke Skywalker, not the death star, Amazon's the death star. Green at the very least, right? Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. No, in all seriousness, um, you know, I, I don't, I don't know guys. Like we're just creating our own lane of commerce. Like we're doing things very differently. I can't say that we are going to be like Amazon or we're going to be like Shopify. We're just going to be like Elliot. Uh, ultimately, the, the difference between both of the narratives for both Amazon and Shopify is they have their own marketing jargon that speaks X, Y, and Z. Ultimately, what I'm more interested in is providing financial inclusion for the next generation of entrepreneurs, not requiring an abundance of apps and high total cost of ownership. And I promise everyone that that's always going to be what it is. So I will not just arm the rebels. I will fight alongside them. Okay. What if, um, so one reaction is that Amazon could take to this is they, they already have this whole AWS stack and they could kind of unbundle parts of Amazon and put it out there on AWS. Um, now they, they haven't done that, but that could be an obvious reaction. If, if they did that, you know, what, what's your reaction to them doing something like that? I believe in like fundamentally we would feel that directionally in terms of product vision that we're 
on the right path. You know, if anything, we'll be doing something similar. There's already underlying services specifically around HS code classification, image processing, invoking serverless functions that will likely be doing the same. So if anything, it will be validating for us. Okay. Always a good answer. And then um, on the fee structure. So let's say I go to your self-service product and I set up my own little um, you know, sneaker marketplace. Do I have flexibility to set up the, and I want it to be, you know, where I collect 20% or something like that. It, you guys will handle, you know, do I have flexibility there? Um, how does all that work? Great question. Yes, you have flexibility to define your commission, your seller's commission. You can have variable commission rates. So you can have more than one seller with a different commission rate, depending on your business agreement with them. Okay. And then do you give me some frameworks for that? Or do I need to kind of come up with T's and C's on, on that side? Or, or are they effectively kind of signing up underneath the, the Elliott T's and C's? You can actually add your own TNC when you invite a, what we call an Elliott line of vendor. They'll be opting into your and our TNCs. Okay. How many, how many folks are running these kind of marketplaces on the platform? Two dozen now are running them. Um, they span everything from very culturally specific marketplaces like Shopland X to, um, I believe we were launching like pop grocery and like the marketing, like the, the grocery space. So they're diverse. They span multiple verticals um, with anywhere between 20 and 200 vendors. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, you're going to cause an explosion of marketplaces. I like that. I do too. And I love it. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the opposite side of that, that Scott might not love as much though. So, uh, so you, you got this great stack for helping me. I have a brand and I want to sell my product direct and I'm using your stack. Um, but increasingly people want to sell direct on a, on a branded experience that they own, um, which could be Elliot. And they also want to sell on marketplaces, right? So um, when you added the, the product catalog to, to launch a storefront, did you guys think about any tools for uh, helping Elliott sellers syndicate on the other marketplaces? We did. So we begun to release those based on the upvoting of our community most notably starting with print-on-demand with Printify. However, over the next 12 months, we will allow brands and sellers on Elliott to participate in multi-channel selling. So yes, it is a big belief of ours to, and this kind of goes back to the initial narrative, which is we, we want to create an admin panel where sellers can participate in a more unified approach to selling. That includes selling on third-party channels. And if anything, we believe that the product Important management system that we have currently will be able to support that. Awesome. Um, and one of the things that always comes up, so you, uh, you have a, a very cool architecture. You have a bunch of cool out of the box features. You have a, a super appealing onboarding experience. And, and uh, if it's not obvious to listeners yet, one of the cool things is uh, there's no barrier to, to signing up and setting up a store. And it, it is kind of, to me, absurd how fast you can get to a, a functioning store. So, so instead of 
listeners taking our word for it, you should you should jump over to Elliot.store and uh and fire one up and see see it for yourself. Um so I feel like that's all awesome and to be applauded. And I can imagine you winning a bunch of customers um on that set of benefits. Uh but I tend to work with a bunch of enterprise clients and they're a royal pain in the neck, mostly because of edge cases. And so they, they have a a million reasons, good or bad, why the out of the box Shopify experience doesn't work or demand where experience doesn't work or, or, you know, frankly, to the extent that Oracle, HCL, uh, SAP all have out of the box experiences, why those don't even work. Right. And every client has some new promotion that no promotion engine has ever seen before, um, or, or some new, you know, shipping model or some new, attributes for the catalog um, is like, and so I feel like the, the, the more and more customers you want to capture, the more and more you have to have some answer to those edge cases. Like uh, is the, is the answer for you guys? Sorry, we don't, if, if that truly is a deal breaker, we don't support it. Is it, we support that through third-party integrations. Is it, we support it through our jam stack and you develop your own edge case solutions. Like what, how do you guys think about that? You're really making me give you guys all the gems tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't said this anywhere, literally. Only two of our investors know about this. But come April 1st, Elliot's core platform will be completely open sourced. And there's a couple of reasons why we're doing this. Number one, we're providing cross-border infrastructure from an on-site through our Jamstack technology, which initially is going live with Next.js, but we'll be going to Gatsby and Nuxt. We also provide cross-border fulfillment. That's what we do as a company. We allow you to transact, process payments, and ship globally instantly. We are offloading and open sourcing our admin panel and the shopping experiences with the one exception being the checkout function, specifically what processes the payment and creates the fulfillment documentation. With that being said, you'll have all the unified approaches to selling on Elliot, except for the more enterprise customer, You'll be able to clone the admin. You'll be able to work with leading agencies like, you know, Accenture and Deloitte and Sapien to build out custom edge cases on a very scalable architecture using the non-archaic approach to e-commerce, which Elliot is, because it's based on Python, Golang, JavaScript, and it's completely serverless. And that's our answer to it. Very cool. So April 1st is a big day for you. I, I feel like we're, a big day for us. I feel like we're taking time between now and April 1st. I'm getting a little stressed out just I am being on the looking, podcast. I'm looking at our two leading engineers and they're looking at me, look at you, look at me, look at them. Uh, <laughs> looking at me like you asshole. You really just said that on this. I'm, I'm super nervous on April 1st that I'm going to like fall for some dumb prank on Twitter. And I feel like you have reason to be a little bit more nervous. I, I have a lot of reasons to be nervous, yes. Uh, but I promise you that the April Fool's marketing campaign will not be a joke on you. And the only person it could potentially be is on me for overpromising. But I doubt that we'll do that. Cool. Let, let's. Um, so thanks for sharing that with our listeners. We uh, appreciate any kind of breaking news on the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, um, I've been following you on Twitter for a while and I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've, I've been at this, this game for a while and no, no tons of entrepreneurs. Um, you have a kind of a real fun style and very 
transparent way of building the company. Uh, share a little bit about your thoughts on that and, and, you know, what, you know, as a leader, how you think about things uh, in, in your company and, and how you want it to be thought of. You've said, you've given us some hints that you want this to be around for three decades and things like that. Um, tell our listeners a little bit more about your vision there. Around the company or? Uh, vision, culture. You, you, you have, you know, you're, you're doing a lot of fun, kind of interesting stuff that I'd love to try to capture some of that if we could. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of focus on on culture, I think a, a big belief of mine is transparency, um, like radical candor. I believe a lot of us like to think that we can do that. There's very few that actually employ that train of thought. If anything, when I think about creating a highly scalable and fast moving company, you have to instill very early on radical candor, but in a very respectful way. So if anything, how I act on social media is providing transparency, speaking my mind, not being afraid to, you know, put my money where my mouth is. And I would love for that culture to, to resonate through Elliot, which specifically is having great governance, being able to be challenging, being able to talk through ideas, and more importantly, being confident and resolute in your decision, whatever that may be. Cool. Let's talk about kind of radical transparency. One one of the things Mark Laurie did uh, at Jet is everyone, uh, and I don't know the the method here, but everyone knew what everyone else made, um, and it was like very public. And you know, talking to him, it, there was a good side of that and kind of a distracting side of that. Do you, do you go to that level of of transparency? We do not. We do not say how much someone makes. Uh, but what we do allow people to do is come in, have an opinion, um, create a platform for them to feel confident in speaking that opinion, removing the bias that comes with opinion based on uh, gender and race and all the nuance that comes with the, the world we live in. With regard to pay, I don't know if we'll ever just do that. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I know I joke candidly with team members because I am actually the lowest paid person at Elliott. I make $19,000 a year. So maybe it starts there. But um, for me, the bigger issues are ensuring that people that do come in feel like they have a platform and a structure to speak their mind, do it respectfully, and be able to invoke change where they see it necessary. Cool. And then um, as you were saying that, I was immediately going to Tony. Uh, how do you say his name, Jason? Tony Shea. Uh, is that right? You got uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, founder of Zappos. He does, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're knee deep or neck deep into holacracy. And then um, Sergio, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but he publishes an Evernote of what he does every day. Um, and then there's all these people that have built uh, he uses a certain format and there's all these people that built stuff on top of there, uh, which is kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, have you studied some of that kind of stuff? Uh, and, and, uh, how do you structure the company? It, it seems like you're going to have a really different way of structuring the company. I haven't studied any of that. Um, total transparency. I, I just behave how I behave just instinctively. I can't say that I've read a lot of books or I've studied a lot of people. I just kind of am this way. <laughs> oh, man, dude, dude. it is what it is man i don't know how to i don't know how to put it in any other words and then um what was the other question uh so so i'll reformat it do you, do you have an org chart are you like the ceo and there's like a box with your name on there and then there's a line down to you know the cto and uh or how have you organized the company uh, that's a great question so we have not created that vertical hierarchy 
I think of creating a company in pods. So building blueprints that you can deploy across ideas, markets, opportunities. So if anything, we're a flat organization. We operate as a pod. We have a blueprint that we know works and we'll use that blueprint to replicate product lines, build into opportunities and go into new markets with. So a pod is like a little functional unit that may um, take Elliot and go after, I don't know, the, you know, the office, office furniture vertical or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so more kind of like little, little teams that can go tackle something that are relatively independent. Um, you should read a book on holacracy or you're basically kind of, you know, you're, you've gotten there naturally, but you may find something beneficial for them or you may want to just stay on your own path. But that, you know, the way you're describing it sounds a lot like this interesting new way of doing things called holacracy that you may find interesting. I will check that out. Dude, it's you a- have a lot to get done before April 1st. I recommend you not read any books. April 2nd, uh, I'll send you as a, uh, as a thank you for being on the podcast. I'll send you a bunch of books on April 2nd. <laughs> I'll, I appreciate that. <laughs> no distractions until then. <laughs> okay. Pretty sure. Uh, you know, one thing we didn't cover uh, when we were talking about the org structure, can you give a, just a super rough idea of how big the companies become in terms of number of employees? Yeah. Between full-time employees and contractors were now over 25 that spans everything from product, marketing, growth, sales, um, SDRs, AEs, CSMs, which is crazy when I look back at October 17th when we actually launched the platform that we're talking about because it was literally myself and the two lead engineers that I'm looking at right now, Paul and Omoefe, and that was it. So that's the team size now and from where we came in October and let the record show, we're recording this show pretty late at night. So it's alarming that you're staring at your two developers still. <laughs> that kind of implies you have long days. I would say, yeah, you know, we do have long days and it is tough, but ultimately the days are fun. They're challenging. And if anything, I, I appreciate that they are here accompanying me while doing this podcast and them trying to make all the crazy shit that I just talked about reality. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've already built some pretty cool, crazy shit and uh, <laughs> uh, props, props to those guys. Uh, I hope you keep it rolling. Um, and that's going to be a perfect place for us to leave it because once again, we've used up all the allotted time for this show. So if uh, listeners want to continue the conversation, you can jump on our Facebook uh, page and ask questions or you can hit us up on Twitter and Sergio, uh, if folks want to get in touch with you, I'll I'll certainly put a link to the Elliot website in the show notes. Um, But how could someone get in touch with you personally? A link in the show notes is great. One thing that we've actually done for those that tune in, find us on podcasts like this, feel free to join our WhatsApp group. You can text me at 347-715-0728. I'll actually add you to our WhatsApp group and you'll actually get exclusive drops, access to functionality, exclusive merch and invites to our own Elliot experiences that we actually don't make public. That's awesome. And presumably you could also call that number if they want to talk to you. You can give me a call anytime. I will literally pick up. I, I sort of believe that. Oh, it is. And that's real. Yeah. And if you uh, just want to follow Sergio and not chat with him, uh, I strongly recommend his Twitter. Uh, It's 
Sergio, why don't you take a shot at, at explaining this? <laughs> it is Sergio with five H's. <laughs> and G E. We'll put yeah. it in the show. It's a little hard to spell. Okay. <laughs> for sure. Sergio, we appreciate you being on the show uh, with this kind of deadline of April 1st looming. And uh, uh, congrats on what you guys have built. And we look forward to seeing what you build over the next 30 years. Awesome. I appreciate the time, guys. Thank you. Uh, great talking to you, Sergio. And until next time, happy conversing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.